Hey, don't forgetters, do you ever wonder how to become the best version of yourself as a yoga teacher, the most authentic version? Would you like a set of simple practices to help you become a better teacher? In this episode, we're going to explore ways to simplify our approach to teaching yoga by recognizing the core practices that will help us connect with yoga students and become better yoga teachers over time. Hello, and welcome to the Don't Forget Yoga Podcast, helping playful yoga teachers absorb yogic wisdom with music, mantra, and the monics. Don't forget on the yoga podcast, music and mantra and Today's guest, Jeffrey Cohen, was the head facilitator at my 2011 Jiva Mukti Yoga teacher training in upstate New York, which was led by Sharon Gannon and David Life, the legendary founders of Jiva Mukti Yoga Method. Jeffrey did his own Jiva Mukti Yoga teacher training in 2002, and a couple years later opened up the Jiva Mukti Yoga Charleston in Charleston, South Carolina. During that time, he was also helping with Jiva Mukti Yoga teacher trainings and teaching as a beloved teacher at many of their events. He's currently the owner of Satsang Yoga in Charleston, and he has created two yoga teacher trainings, Natural Teacher and Natural Evolution. He's a musician. His body of work includes both kirtan bhakti music and rock and roll. He's got the edgy rock and roll side, just like me. And we even got a little chance to play while I was down there. He is very well rounded in his knowledge of yoga. And I am excited to share him with you here. So without any further ado, here's Jeffrey. Cheers. Namaste. Namaste. Jai Shri Krishna. How do you feel about namaste? How do I feel about namaste? <laughs> It's it's a mantra. You can't yeah. say it enough. You always keep it on your lips. It's empty. You know, people are going to it's going to it's it's beyond, you know, it's yoga. It's larger than what anyone thinks about it or you know, can do with it or how it's used. It's larger than all that. It's like water. Namaste. <laughs> you could pollute it. You could purify it, but it will always flow. I like that. Mm-hmm. Why don't you introduce yourself and the elevator pitch of who you are? Um, are we going up or are we going down? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so hopefully we're going up. Uh, my name's Jeffrey, Jeffrey Cohen, and I'm a yoga teacher since 2002, practitioner since 96 cut my teeth in New York City teaching yoga, but I, yoga was put on my radar very early on in an alternative therapeutic high school residential environment, which had a wellness program just down the road from Kapalu. I knew all the people at Kapalu, Michael Lee, who went on to do um, Phoenix Rising yoga therapy and things like that. He He was heavily influenced by his experiences teaching at our school. So, um, it was always there. And in New York City, I was, I walked into a Jeev Muti yoga class, Second Avenue, and that was all she wrote. Who was the teacher when you walked in? David Life. Wow. David Life. Yeah, it was like, um, 
I was part owner in a bar, and I was in a band. We were traveling all over the country. My life was filled with a lot of gratification, uh, but a lot of emptiness as well. Emptiness in the worldly sense, not feeling full or complete. And there was a woman who came to my bar, and we were talking, and we were talking about things, and got on yoga, and she's like, you should practice yoga. And I'm like, yes, I should practice yoga. And she's like, you should go to Jiva Mukti. And I went, yes, I should go to Jiva Mukti. <laughs> and I never even heard what it was. And then she's like, you should go to David's class. He's the owner. I'm like, yes, I should go to David's class. <laughs> it was like that. It was like a Jedi mind trick. So that Saturday, 2 p.m., I was in David's class and just was like, I did have the thought, the very first class I had the thought, this is probably what I'm going to do. Really? Yeah. This I'm, I'm going to teach this. It terrified me. It took me at least hmm, close to 10 years to shed enough in my life to get into the place where that was the only thing left. <laughs> <laughs> I had to like let go of everything else to embrace what I'm doing now, which makes total sense if you think about it. Now, when I met you, it was 2011. Mm-hmm. You were the lead facilitator. Yes. At the Jiva Mukti Yoga Teacher Training. I was. Mm-hmm. Was that the first time you held that position? or? Actually, yeah, it was. There was a nice arc that was happening in those trainings. I was a part of them right at the beginning in 2003, and then... Um, not too far after that, my partner and I moved from New York City to open up our own Jeep Muti Yoga school. So uh, I was sending people to the trainings and I was part of them for a while. And then I started mentoring. And then they, for the first time, they were thinking about bringing on people to do it because it was getting popular and they were getting a little tired. And, and they, as David Life and Sharon Gannon, the co founders of Jeep Muti Yoga. In fact, my training was the only training in which they taught all of it together. 2003. 2003. All of it together. No mentors, nothing. They assisted every single class. I mean, it was it was amazing to watch them do this. These trainings are, you know, they're huge in terms of the workload. And they were just, they were like amazing. Uh, so they needed to bring on people and 2011, I was mentoring and doing the, uh, trainings before 2011. Then they asked me to facilitate, which was a big responsibility. I felt because these are two incredible teachers. They've contributed a lot. Um, and that was the, that was, uh, I think it was like the largest training that they ever had. That was a huge group. And um, that was a lot of fun. It was totally challenging. And I had to remember (laughs) a lot of material because it's a lot different when there's 118 people and you're responsible for a curriculum that is pretty specific. Like Jivamuti is a pretty specific codification of a wonderful practice. That's probably a really good way to talk about it. Well, that's a good jumping off point. Mm, Sure, nice segue. 
Well, because... Then don't forget about yoga. So yes, like, so how are you not going to forget? Is that what that well, means? I think the more we do it, it's a simple practice for complicated people. So maybe step one could be keep it simple. Because right. this is consciousness. This is awareness. And if you aren't conscious and you aren't aware, you could... You know, you could read from the most brilliant book. You could teach the most brilliant, heady intellectual class. You could have the most wonderful creative sequence. So uh, what we're doing when we're teaching yoga, especially when we're teaching modern yoga, is people are coming to do asana for the most part, do the postures, right? And that's one of the reasons why yoga is um so popular right now because in many ways what's popular has some spirituality but it's a little bit like canned spirituality it's mixed up with like things that sound good and sound bites and sprinkle a little instagram in there and and how you look is <clears throat> how enlightened you are right and I think, first of all, that's all perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's perfect. Um, but it's also indicative of the age that we live in, and that is the Kali Yuga. We live in the age of Kali, of great destruction, of great ignorance. And, uh, but that ignorance does serve a purpose, and yoga is so big and beautiful that um, a lot of people are going to be changed by that and influenced for the better. So if you really have the intention of being able to offer something more than a good exercise class and and to offer a, a deeper understanding of what's happening in the body with the postures, you have to start off with the breath, without a doubt. And that's what I mean by simple. Because the, bridge, the breath is the bridge between those seemingly two places, the physical and the spiritual. Uh, but really, those are the same. But you're not going to know that unless you aren't really bringing people's attention to their own breath, which means you have to listen to yours, and which means you have to get into a place where you are listening to theirs and really actually teach them to breathe and how to breathe and when to breathe. And you could spend a lifetime just doing that because if it's one thing that I've experienced is that no one is a total master at that. And the practice is such that there's always going to be a moment when you are not moving with your breath, that your ego sort of takes over, the idea of what should happen should take over, or you just check out and you're not breathing. And that's very often when also people get hurt and what makes a yoga class unsafe. So, so that's a great way to start simple. And that's a great way to start simple with you, especially if you want to bring something specific. The breath creates an environment where you are more available to what it is that you want to do, what you want to talk about. What we're really talking about here is vinyasa. Right. Okay, so breath is vinyasa. But there are other components of vinyasa too. And there's three very powerful ones that ideally in a yoga class should change the least, which is powerful because everything is changing. <laughs> and the asana is the outer form. 
and we're taught to detach from the outer form and let things come and go. And we're taught in yoga to attach ourselves to that which changes the least, like the soul, or even if you don't know what that means, or the highest thing that you know, or your joy. Like you atta- you're always attaching, as Ram Dass says, you're always attaching yourself to something higher and higher. So that which changes the least in the yoga practice is where you look, how you breathe, and Mula Bandha. And that's the foundation. Those are the rails. The, that's the fuel that goes in your car, your upadi, your, your vehicle for consciousness. Uh, that's the road, the rails that your train is traveling on. If you don't have the road, if you don't have the rails, if you don't have the gas, you're not going anywhere. Or as I, sometimes I like to say, you're going off the rails on a crazy train. And then, <laughs> and then I'll play some Ozzy. <laughs> so we're getting back to the vinyasa, right? So the vinyasa creates, the, those three components create a mood. They create a foundation. And, uh, but they also serve you as a teacher because you're doing that in your practice. That's what you're teaching. That alongside with your meditation practice, still keeping it simple. If you're not meditating and teaching yoga, it's very hard. You gotta give your brain a break and your brain has to assimilate all the things that's happening. And what you're doing when you're meditating is you're increasing your wattage. So if you're not meditating and practicing yoga, it should be the first thing that you think about when you say, why isn't my teaching working? meditation meditation don't forget to meditate yeah seriously i mean i really can't stress it enough what i have found in my practice you wake up you urinate and you meditate (laughs) (sighs) 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 you gotta wake up urinate and then meditate Uh Wake up, urinate, and then meditate. You gotta wake up, urinate, and then meditate. You gotta wake up, urinate, and then meditate. You gotta wake up. And you just came from Shashupti. You gotta wake up. You were just merged in deep sleep with the Brahman. <laughs> an environment where these things can just start coming to you does that make sense does that make sense everyone i like it uh wake up urinate meditate yum yum don't forget to urinate how's that for mnemonics (laughs) the rhyming is always helpful (laughs) yeah i think a simple way to talk about this is that if you want to teach really good yoga you have to have a you have to 
be a student and your sadhana is really important and this is from the yoga sutra the first sutra about, uh, of the second book on the portion of practice there's three components tapas you have to have a burning desire tapas could also mean practice and and austerity it doesn't have to be austerity it's maybe i don't find that austerity is the right word because maybe people identify um misery and suffering with austerity so it's not it's not that but it is a burning desire for sure you got to want this like you got to want joy more than anything you just got to be so fed up with all the fucking bullshit in life that this is what you want you want happiness you want authenticity you want connection that's what you want you want to feel good like all the time not high just connected sure like you want to feel so good that you lean into the suffering because you because <laughs> you realize the value of it yeah okay so that's top us <laughs> <laughs> number one number one <laughs> then there's swadhyaya which is study of the self you have to study the subject so you have to continue to study now that's I think where this comes in. Well, what is study like? Well, I'll tell you what study is like for me. Study is life and how much I can fill in life with things that make me a better teacher. Like I'm always listening to Alan Watts, Ram Das, Abraham Hicks, Eckhart Tolle, Wayne Dyer sometimes, Deepak Chopra sometimes, David and Sharon over the years. And I'm not saying that everyone should listen to these teachers, but they seem to stimulate me. And I have a lot of reverence for them. And I love the way that they all say the same thing in different ways, basically, which is what yoga is. It's like you're never ending. Yoga is, means expansion. So it's always expanding. You're never going to be finished. You're never going to be done. And it's not hard. It's actually a lot of fun. And... If, it, if the effort feels like it's required, then you have to learn how to get inspired. If the effort feels required, learn how to get inspired. If the effort feels required, learn how to get inspired. <laughs> because it shouldn't feel like, you know. I mean, yeah, everyone has a hard time getting to class sometimes, getting to the mat sometimes. Everyone has a hard time like getting to the gym sometimes. But um, that's your refuge. Your continuity is your refuge. And that's a word that I say a lot. And I would say that a lot as I train teachers. You have to have continuity. You have to have continuity. If you want to learn to be a good teacher, and this is the, this is the takeaway here, I think. Um, take class. Take uh, video or audio classes from teachers that you like. I mean, it's so available now and transcribe their classes write down word for word what they say uh-huh. write down word for word what they say uh, and meditate so transcribe and meditate if if i'm working with a teacher and they um you know over a course of time they're not getting something that is like technical you know like how to call out a sequence where the breath is in each part of the sequence first thing I'll say to them, what's going on with your meditation? 
Hmm. And they'll probably say, I haven't meditated in like three weeks. I'm like, okay. Second thing I would ask is, have you been transcribing and practicing? Step three, it's all about connecting to the highest thing. It's devotion. And um, not necessarily selfless. Not selfless. Selfless has gotten a little bit more attention. It's selfish. It's like you do it. You you are it. That's what you're teaching. You're teaching that we are all connected to the same thing. It's like what Jesus taught. It's what the Buddha taught. Like you're it. We're doing this together. But you know, I I I'm I'm doing it. Like I it's it's my when I say I it's like I am constantly looking for and connecting with the highest thing that I am even if I don't understand what that is and what is what is the highest thing I know I don't know I mean for a lot of people what they thought the highest thing that they knew 10 years from now is different than it is today so that's always evolving and it should always be evolving and that's that's the journey that we're on and that is the pran that's that's how it's translated in the yoga sutra is that which you are offering your life force to that which you are seeking that which you are thinking about that which you are immersing yourself in is that which is becoming your identity you become the identity of that. Um, and uh, you've heard in, in Jivamuti, we, and, and what I still say, of course, uh, is that's the one-step method. That's the devotion. That's it. Like this moment that we're having right now is about that. This conversation that we're having right now is about the joy is about the freedom the ideas that we're discussing the techniques that hopefully we're offering maybe they'll be of service maybe they won't doesn't fucking matter because it's in service to us right now and it's going to get us excited and then we're going to go share it because we can't really excitement is something that you can't really contain (laughs) if you want to circle back like we're going back to that simplicity that my vocation is joy. My vocation is joy. That's the same thing as Ishwara, Pranidhanadva. Ishwara is the source. My connection is to the source. Breathe. <laughs> Breathe. <laughs> You know, if you're coming from that place, it really doesn't matter what you say. Because if you're resonating with yourself, you're going to find the right people. And you're teaching your first yoga class, it does go back to what is your yoga practice like? Which means you're going to have to define it. And I do realize people define yoga in different ways. It could mean I just really need to know my sequence really well. Or for other teachers, it it could mean I can't teach headstand because I can't do headstand. But 
If you are actively working to follow your bliss, Joseph Campbell, then you could have all that mishigas. You can have all that craziness. And what's going to be the overarching, what's going to land in an overarching way, no matter who you interact with, is that you are connected to something real. And that's what's going to ultimately resonate with people. And how you do it is by what we have said before. That's how you do it. You have, that's your sadhana. That's your practice. That's yoga. <laughs> so example, we're in a class. You're there. You're going to take my class tomorrow morning, right? And there's like five other people. And I start teaching a very basic breath. You know, I te I'm teaching ujjayi breath. You know, inhale deep breath. As you exhale, go. You know, so like if I'm going, and I'm listening to it, I'm like, oh, that sounds like the ocean. Inhale, make the same sound on the inhale. And then uh, say, Debbie, who's next to you, like, I don't hear her. And I'm like, instead of singling her out, because maybe it's her first time in class and you're a first time student, but instead of sing or a first time teacher, Instead of singling her out, you globalize the instruction and you say, I don't hear you. And hearing is important. That's why we're breathing. So that's a connection that you're wearing. This breath is about hearing. And so then you start to just riff. Well, what are you listening for? You're listening for sound. Well, why is the sound important? And that makes me think of a teacher whom I really liked, used to say, make the breath louder than your thoughts so ah. that insight came to me you know make your breath louder than your thoughts if your breath isn't louder than your thoughts then you're potentially you're suffering more than you have to suffer and when people hear that you could laugh as you're saying it and then might people might crack up <laughs> right maybe if you got a sense of humor but you could take it deeper you know make the breath louder than your thoughts why aren't your thoughts useful well, your thoughts are useful. Most of them are not. Especially if you are thinking, and then you're thinking about, you know, something that um, Abraham Hicks said. You know, especially if what you're thinking is magnetic and will draw other thoughts to you. And so you could do this for the course of as they are establishing their breath. And then with simplicity, you go back and you listen and you see if people are actually breathing that way. And if they're not breathing that way, I think it's any good yoga teacher's responsibility. And the best way you can create a safe and cohesive environment in the class is to back things up a little bit and, and start to get them to really breathe. Your skill to listen comes into play benefit of meditation also your skill to listen as to what insight you can make comes from your sadhana of listening to other teachers and doing it yourself like you just going well how does that inhale feel you know or do I feel it do I feel it the same with my lips closed Where does that sound come from? Not the nasals. You know the difference between and 
are you as a first teacher got enough guts to point out that difference to a student because if they're breathing like this (laughs) (laughs) chances are their triangle is going to be fucked (laughs) (laughs) all right don't forgetters now you know how to unfuck your triangle (laughs) that's not how patanjali said it but Maybe he would have if he could have. Let's review. We simplify our teaching by being aware of our breath and the breathing of our students. Breath is the primary element of vinyasa. And along with the breath, we bring awareness to our gaze, the drishti, keep our steadiness and core strength through mulabandha. And those are the three powerful elements of vinyasa, drishti, pranayama, mulabandha. All right. Vinyasa. The next list of three practices comes from the Niyamas of the Yoga Sutras. Tapas, our burning desire to connect to yoga. What what brings you? What makes you passionate? What do you have to work on in yourself to know that this is what you want? Svajaya, self-study. Well, you not, you got to study yourself to know what you want. And part of that is meditating daily. You got to wake up, urinate, and then meditate. That song, by the way, is a video that is available on our YouTube channel. Don't forget yoga on YouTube. Check it out. Finally, Ishvara Pranidhana, which is devoting our practice and teaching to something higher than our corporeal self, higher than our small S self. The big S self is what we're trying to connect to. However, we perceive... Universal consciousness, a deity, some pantheon of deities, they're all symbolic of the same thing that's probably uh, definitely (laughs) beyond human comprehension, but we, we grab that little part that we can perceive and we work from there. I want to give a big thanks to Jeffrey Cohen. You know, I went down at the beginning of the summer, um, to help a friend out who was getting an operation in Charleston. And I uh, reconnected with Jeffrey after several years of not really talking to him since the Jivamukti days. And it was really great to hang with him, to play some music with him. He made me a nice meal, really sweet guy. And, And I took his class the morning that I left, and that was really invigorating. So definitely... If you're in Charleston, check out Satsang Yoga Charleston. For the rest of his plugs, I'm going to let him speak for himself. Everyone can go on retreat with me, and I'll be at your service. And that's going to be in Tulum, Mexico, November 4th through 11th. I've been going to Maya Tulum since 2002. These retreats are incredible, and it's it's the, the, the very, very best way. Everyone's got to go on retreat at least once in their life, you know, and then when you do it, you'll realize that you'll just want to do it all the time. So whether you've been going to do it once or you've been doing it all the time, these retreats are totally special. You can come to Charleston and take class with us at Satsang Yoga. You can follow me on Instagram at Jeffrey Cohen Yoga or Satsang Yoga Charleston. And I'm easy to get a hold of. So I'm at your service. And you have the Tuesday... Meditation? Oh, yes. Thank you. 
Tuesday morning, 7.30 on Instagram. We lead a meditation practice and a little discussion afterwards. So it's a great way for people, all of us to stay connected. It's free. You can make a donation, but it's free. All right, brother. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Don't Forget Yoga Podcast. Your time and attention is deeply appreciated. Very deeply. If you like the show, please tell your yoga teacher friends about it or leave us a review. If you have a yoga mnemonic to share or anything else you want to talk about, I'd love to hear from you. Leave a voicemail at don'tforgetyoga.com right now during this guitar solo. Our listeners are the best. Until next time, refrain from being someone else's pain or disdain. disdain. Keep your third eye on On the the game. game. Each Each line's line's main. Train your brain until yoga easily remains. In other words, don't forget. No, don't forget. Don't forget it. Mnemonics.